The real nonconformist. The real nonconformist. The real nonconformist. The real nonconformist. Hello and welcome to your favorite bee, me. I'm here to talk about my opinions and all things triggering, and I ask you, the listener, to come to your own conclusions by reflecting on your triggers and experiences by validating your own dang feelings. Hello. So I'm here today to talk about the, um, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about biological sex differences and the issues that I have and a lot of other people apparently have with uh, self um, identities, self whatever, people identifying as whatever genders, and then competing against women. Oh, if you hear a bunch of popping noises, it's my neighbors, my trashy neighbors um, doing fireworks like they've been doing for like one or two weeks. Um, it's illegal in the city, but apparently they don't care and they want to scare all the animals in the neighborhood and they are horrible human beings. Okay, well, maybe they're not horrible human beings, but it's really annoying, um, so excuse them if you hear it. So, Leah Thomas is this transgender swimmer. So, Leah Thomas had won in the NCAA, the uh, college um, national championship division. Uh, people were mad because there's an obvious difference, a uh, physical difference between Leah and the rest of the female swimmers. Uh, Leah has only been taking hormone therapy for uh, two or three years. So they consider that a problem because Leah is huge. And um, the Swimming Association, whatever they're called, they decided to change up the rules of what kind of transgender athletes can compete. And that basically involves people that have been through puberty. So I think on another episode, uh, maybe I, I've recorded different episodes and not submitted them. So I'm not sure if I've talked about this. We have different stages of puberty and we usually don't start puberty, depending on if we're a boy, a girl, genetics, all that stuff. We start puberty between the ages of 8 and 12. Usually boys start puberty old, like around 12, like older than girls do or they might start around 12, 13, something like that. And we have different stages, and stage one is like the pre-puberty, like I guess your body's just kind of like revving up, and then like stage two is when the physical differences and uh, hormonal differences start to <clears throat> become more obvious and apparent. Uh, being that I am somebody who works with children, um, I can see that when before kids start puberty, it is an even playing field as far as athleticism goes. Like I've seen some really young girls just totally blast through these guys, right? I mean, it's just like, woo, like you go girl, you're beating them, whatever. And then puberty hits and it's a totally different story. I also work with young people that are in that middle school age and um, seeing the kids from like fourth grade transition into sixth, seventh grade, they're like completely different human beings as they're growing. It's just so crazy the like difference that it can like how they can be. Like I won't see a kid for a month or two even, and the next time I see them, I'm like, whoa, you're like you grew taller, your face has changed. Like who are you? Anyways, this is a really like concerning thing to me like, yeah, like I, I I haven't even told you my opinion you might already know my opinion that I I, I think that 
people who have gone through their biological puberty, like transgender women that have gone through their biological puberty as men, um, should not be allowed to compete against um, uh, against women in sports. Um, as far as like competitive type of things, or as far I mean, as far as like just going out and playing like in your own little town or whatever, like. Like, who cares, right? It's just, you're just playing for fun. You're an amateur, right? But as far as, like, going past amateur, you're, like, at the college level, you're at the Olympic, you're at this, like, professional levels. That's what I believe because of all the different biological um, differences that happens after you hit puberty. So something that came up a few years ago was the African runner, Caster Semenya. And she is one of the 46 types of quote-unquote intersex conditions in which she has very ambiguous reproductive organs and um, very high testosterone levels um, and was deemed as a woman because she has a vagina as well. Then she was uh, told that she couldn't compete unless she lowered her testosterone levels and she has refused to do that. So she's not she hasn't been able to compete i mean it's very unfortunate that she has had that condition and and no one i mean she lives in a a country that probably just doesn't really care much about women or women's medical needs anyways and so she just went about her business you know doing what she was good at and running now it's kind of like well i get her point of view and i really feel for her but at the same time if we're gonna say you know, transgender women need to lower their testosterone levels than she does also. Anyways, the swimming uh, gods or the swimming board, I don't know what they're called, FEMA or something, they decided that um, transgender women can compete if they have a complete androgen insensitivity and did not experience male puberty or they are androgen sensitive but had male puberty suppressed beginning in Tanner stage two of puberty before age 12, whichever is um, later, and they have to continuously maintain their testosterone levels below 2.5 NMOLL. Um, And I believe that the Olympics had it to be uh, the testosterone levels at five or below. So this is a much much lower testosterone level than I think what the Olympics had had for Castor. We all know that everybody's a little different and there's all these different kinds of levels and hormones and body differences. I mean, a lot of our supreme athletes in the world have had some sort of like, like if we think of, uh, what's his name, Mike Phillips, what's his name? The, oh, Michael Phelps. Okay. So Michael Phelps, as you know, if you've ever seen him before, has these abnormally really long arms. He's like the best swimmer of all time. Um, and his arms uh, give him a great advantage for being the best swimmer of all time, as you can imagine. Um, but we, I don't know. I feel like when we say some people or this, some people or that, and we just kind of like, don't take into account the majority and we just go straight to the like small percentage of extremes and we only count that like that's where the problem lies yes there are these anomalies of humans (laughs) and i don't mean that in a negative way there are people have different anomalies and and 
and they are the extreme difference of the majority. And it's a very, 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 very small percentage, right? And we cannot say that, oh, well, transgender women, you know, there's these anomaly women, like women, right, that might have extremely giant arms. They There's this one that exists out of like a trillion. So transgender women like are no different from them. But then that means that trans, all transgender women are suddenly going to be the anomalies. It's not going to be an anomaly anymore, except it still is. But they wouldn't be the anomaly if they hadn't of transitioned. So that's kind of like the point there. Like women in their own like category so that they could be able to perform amongst one another and be successful. Um, because in most cases of athleticism... Um, I mean, the women aren't going to beat the men. I mean, that's just a fact. All right, so I played roller derby for several years. I started, I think, in 2012 or 2013. And I played off and on until COVID hit. And then I recently played for a couple of months, and it was fun and, and whatever. And now I do climbing or indoor bouldering. So I'll talk a little bit about bouldering in a second. But... Roller derby was kind of special because it was one of the first team sports that had more of a gender expansive um, definition. So they allowed in, in the women's league, they allowed um, transgender athletes to be able to play. And then it later progressed to um, non-binary biologically born females that were taking testosterone to play. Um, and then the men, I mean, as long as they felt comfortable or, or more accepted amongst the, like the women community, they're allowed to play. And it's interesting because the men's league is actually their gender um, rules are even more like flexible than the women's because you don't have to identify as a man or feel more comfortable amongst men. It's just pretty much an open gender. It's like, if you want to play, come and play. What I have noticed throughout the years as roller derby became more and more popular and they attempted to try to get us on ESPN and, you know, things of that nature, I noticed that there were more and more transgender athletes that were playing in the um, top, you know, the top 10 in the world teams, particularly the top teams in America. And most of those transgender athletes ended up being the position of the jammer. So the jammer is the person that is mostly, and traditionally the jammer with roller derby is very fast action play and required a lot of endurance and strength. But the jammer particularly had to have a lot of agility and endurance, like cardiovascular endurance. And then the game started to slow down and shift to where the jammer needed to have not only cardiovascular endurance, but also had to have a lot of power and strength. And I feel that because a lot of these jammers that were starting to play in the higher level teams had um, a higher percentage of transgender jammers, that the game had to slow down in order to absorb the power and the strength that the blockers would be taking from these athletes. Um, most of the transgender athletes that I, because I went back and I looked at the 2019 like world's championships and I noticed that most of the transgender athletes that were jamming in the finals and the semifinals were older, like they didn't transition until they were older, like past the age of 30. 
And so they like actually didn't really like they ran up the roster, like the ranks, like pretty quickly. Um, and then they showed, for the most part, a lot of, like, brute strength because, hello, they went through male puberty. They have denser bones. They have longer arms and legs in comparative to, um, you know, height with, and the ratio of what women have. And also the pelvis is, is shaped differently, typically. So um, there's a, that's why women have a lower um, range, like, of lower range of gravity or what level of gravity is because the pelvis is shaped wider. And then usually men will have, their center of gravity will be up in the sternum. And so what I noticed, and, and, and what I noticed when I would play against men, because I would play on the men's teams too and play against men, what I noticed with the men, they would typically hit you with their chest because that's their center of gravity, where women would typically go in and hit with their hips and then maybe their hips, their thighs, and like the, the lower part of their body, because that's the center of their gravity, right? And so I feel like the game started to slow down so that the blockers could have the strength to, to lower their center of gravity against these blockers who were biologically male, where their center of gravity is much higher. And then on top of that, they're, um, you know, they're just still going to be very strong, or at least... I mean, I don't want to explain it. I, I know when I would play against men, and I'm not saying transgender people, I'm saying men, big burly men, that when they would come in to hit you, because it's a contact sport, okay? When they come in to like hit you, it, it's a much different feel than when a woman comes and hits you. Like, I don't know, it just hurts a lot more. It's not that the women, I haven't gotten really hard, strong hits from women, but it's just like, I, I don't know, it just, feels like it feels denser because their bones are denser. I guess denser isn't the right word. I don't know what the right word is, but it definitely felt different. My concerns were not, uh, my concerns were like, look, I'm never going to be a higher level roller derby team player. I'm not going to be that all-star athlete. I just want to play and be a part of a team and be a part of a community and have a good time. And so it's not like these roller derby players are getting paid for anything anyways. So there might as well be a league where everybody is included and there's not a whole bunch of drama over testosterone and all this other stuff. You know, I feel like it was like a low cost of like, let's have something where everybody can be involved and there's like no drama about it. And, but I don't feel that way when it comes to like, competitions when like people are either trying to win money or they're trying to scholarships for college and things like that. I think it's a much different thing where there, there needs to be a fair, a very fair playing ground. And what those playgrounds are, playing grounds are really just, it does depend on science and it depends on the most updated science. And it depends on trying to be fair to everybody and not just being like, oh, we want to include these people. Well, yes, we want to include these people, but how can we include these people and also still keep it fair? And I think that the best answer for that is actually what the bouldering uh, community at the place that I boulder at here, like a solo competition, and they had three categories. They had the men or the male, the female, and the non-binary. And I thought that was interesting because if you want to, you it, if you don't identify as male or female, then you have your own category and you can still win 
your prize for first, second, or third place, and then nobody's going to blame you for taking or whatever someone else's prize, the female or the male's prize. At the same time, I did notice that there was a male-born person that won the non-binary category, and I could hear another guy in the background being like, oh, that he's not non-binary, that's a man. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing, but... But I am not non-binary, so it's none of my business, right? So stay in your lane type of a thing. Like, I feel like that's kind of how that is. Like, don't be jealous that this guy won an award and you didn't win an award. If you wanted to possibly win an award, you could have just gone over and uh, been non-binary if you wanted to. But you're not non-binary, so you're not going to do that. You're just going to go and enter in the male category. I feel like there has to be, again, common ground is like my theme for everything that I'm talking about with all this stuff. It's like, and I feel that in order for like, for right now, as far as that competition that I was involved with in that time for climbing, the non-binary category just made perfect sense. And, you know, then we can just celebrate another category of people winning awards. I, I do, I do think that what the swimming FEMA, whatever boards it is, is good for females, biologically born women and keeping the, keeping it authentic for women, because I feel that we are being erased by this um, whole ideology of non-binary people who want to erase women, erase men, erase transgender people, and just make it this big freaking great area that's dividing people you know and not making things any better like I really do feel like there's gonna be a big pushback against all of these people that are trying to push their own ideology of what gender is and not really caring about the long-term consequences of it especially when it involves children I do not you know the thing is about with including transgender women in sports that may you know the whole thing with the puberty is that it's going to require children to stop their puberty by the age of 12 or before and i think that that is really scary because i don't believe that children can consent to that i don't believe that if children can't consent to getting a tattoo or they can't consent to driving, or they're not mature enough to drive a car until they're 16. At least some places are changing it to 18. They can't get a driver's license until they're 18 because they noticed that 16-year-olds were just not very mature at, in driving vehicles. Their brains aren't fully developed, and some of them are still going through puberty. My concerns with these puberty blockers that a lot of parents are wanting to put transgender children on is that it's going to kind of like stunt their growth in a lot of way and keep them in this we don't understand that like when we go through puberty we're going through a lot of identity issues to begin with especially socially and then especially when it comes to just our brains turning into adult brains and when you block them from being able to go through puberty their brains are not allowed to go into that you know, phrase of becoming an adult. And so it's like, they're still going to be like mentally children until you decide to put them through what their body is naturally supposed to go through, which is puberty. Um, I just think that's really scary because that's going to, I think, have more mental health issues um, long-term 
than what we realize. I don't think that, I think that a lot of the parents nowadays that are supporting these medical transitions have their own trauma that they're trying to deal with and may not really understand, like maybe they're trying to have their kids live through them in some sort of way and enforce these kinds of like transitionings onto them in some ways. I, I, I'm not saying this with everybody, of course. I'm not saying it about everybody, but it, it's just, I don't know, it's scary to me because children are children and I'm really protective over them because they are innocent and they have no one to protect them. And we can't just be like, oh, my kid wants this now. Well, they're a kid, okay? They're, they, they might change in the next year or two or five years. Okay, so for example, Jazz, if anybody ever watched that show, I Am Jazz, about the transgender girl that transitioned like very, very young. I don't know if she was like 12 or what, but they put her on puberty blockers. And when she was, um, what was it, 18 or 16, she wanted to, you know, have her, I don't know what the medical term is called, to like change her penis and, and into her vagina. But the thing is, is that the puberty blockers made it to where she didn't have enough of a penis to use the skin from to create the vagina. And so she had to go through like a couple of different surgeries. Like I saw a couple of episodes and it just seems so heartbreaking because I mean, she'd already gone through so much being on this stupid show with these like narcissistic parents. Like I swear anyone that puts their kids on YouTube or has a show like that and they're just like using their children as these pawns for entertainment and to get money. Like poor Jazz. Like Jazz has so much like mental health issues and was going have a binge eating disorder. I don't know what's going on with her lately, but the last I checked, it is so disheartening, right? And so like of course she's gonna feel this pressure to continue, I don't know, filling the void in her parents' lives or whatever um, to make money for her parents and her family. She probably supports her family by being who she is. And what kind of pressure is that? Um, I know that has maybe nothing to do with, well, it does have some things to do with being transgender because I feel like a lot of parents nowadays are doing like the same thing with their kids. They're like, oh, my kid is so special. Oh, my kid is this and like flaunting them. Like, oh, look, I'm a great parent because, you know, I support my child's transition. I'm so great. I'm so great. I'm so great. And it's just like, what about the kid? Like, can you just like, really like leave the kid alone and let them be a kid and let them make their own like true decisions without you trying to influence them and i would say the same thing with like religion and stuff too that's why i feel like this gender ideology is a complete cult or religion because these parents are doing the same thing to their kids that like um strict religions do to their kids forcing their beliefs and opinions and ways to live so they can be like oh look at me I'm so great I'm a wonderful parent and I think that's just like really debilitating towards our culture and there's going to be a lot I feel there's going to be a lot of um, confused young adults coming out of this that are going to have major mental health issues totally confused by their parents overcompensation for however they grew up in a conservative type of environment and so they're overcompensating for thinking that they're doing their kid a, a justice when they really aren't 
Um, again, this isn't like a 100% thing, but I feel like it is child abuse to take your 12 year old and medically transition them and block their puberty from happening. So I think that this rule with swimming is good for right now because it's at least saying like in this moment that having transgender athletes are unfair to women. But I do feel that they need to find a better solution, like maybe changing the age to 16, because we haven't completed our puberty by the age of 15 or 16. And I feel like if we in the past were allowed to drive at 16 and some other things, you I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like 12 is way too young. 18 could be too old for some people. But at least with 18, you can handle you're more mature and you're able to handle the consequences of the transitioning and all the mental health stuff that can go along with it because there's going to be mental health stuff that goes along with it whether you're transitioning or not as a teenager there's mental health issues going on but then like on top of that like there's it's gonna you're gonna need therapy anyways right so what's the line like if we're gonna let 12 year olds transition and we're gonna block their we're gonna put them on all these drugs we're gonna chop off their chest or whatever we're going to do to them, then we're saying that they can consent to that. And if we're saying that at 12 years old, they can consent to that, then that means that 12 year olds can also consent to sex and 12 year olds can also consent to, I don't know, child trafficking. Like these are the things that I'm going down because the thoughts that I'm going down, because I'm also thinking about the pedophiles out there how the pedophiles are saying that they have their, you know, they shouldn't be punished for being a pedophile because it's a sexuality. And if it's a sexuality, then they're protected under the amendments against discrimination. And I would think that most people, even the most liberal people would say that being a pedophile is not acceptable, but then you're contradicting yourself because if children can't consent to sex at 12 years old, how they, how can they consent to having lifelong changes happen to their body such as having puberty be blocked or to be put on hormones that are going to permanently do things to their body that's unchangeable. So that's something that I ask and it's concerning to me and I'm just going to keep rambling, but something to think about and uh, yeah, I don't know. See you later. Be well.